Okay, Dan, we played one true three last week. You named three things real quick that were about Straight and Steady. Obviously, the expansion's out right now, so everybody knows the answer, but, but real quick. Number one was... Uh, a dilemma with six lines of text. Number two? Uh, a new affiliation icon. And number three? Uh, forward compatible interrupt. Yeah. What was the true statement? Uh, one of the missions has a Vulcan accessibility icon on it, so it is a new affiliation icon. New affiliation. So, just real quick, uh, Vulcans, that would be Enterprise Era Vulcans prior to the forming of the Federation, right? Exactly. What so, none of the, none of the, the, well, this is pure speculation on my part, but it, none of the, none of the Vulcans like on TNG, Dr. Solar, those things, or, or Spock, they, they, they wouldn't ever have the Vulcan icon. You know, maybe there's something that lets them play, but, uh, you know, whatever. So, just real quick, what is the thinking behind that mission, which is, is, uh, Prevent Rebellion, I think that's what it's called. Yes. Uh, why does it have uh, Starfleet and Vulcan icons on it if Starfleet has the ability to do Prevent missions? Well, the thinking was, this mission has members that founded the Federation in conflict. So, well, true enough, if, if there were, if this were in, you know, this is on the, the, the 24th century space line, if the Federation saw that there was a rebellion going on, they could prevent it. This is really about uh, the Andorians and the Romulans, uh, Romulans the, Andor the Andorians and the Vulcans fighting together. So the Vulcans have an attempt ability, the Starfleet has an attempt ability, and the non-aligned have attempt ability, just to leave the door open in case we want to do something else later on. So, so basically the idea is this, the space line is the 24th century. Yes. Uh, you can do missions from Enterprise, but they're going to have a Federation icon on it. Unless it involves founding members of the Federation in conflict. Yes. I think if, if there's something that the, what, like either Starfleet or, you know, I have forbid the Andorians or the Vulcans in particular, like if there were, if there were a mission about spying on the Andorians, I think that might have a Vulcan icon on it. Right. Because the Federation wouldn't spy on its members type of situation. <laughs> right. so. Possibly. Well, presumably. Section 31 and I was Teddy, so. Yes. Alright, Dan, thank you, and we'll get, uh, we'll get the winners announced and get those on top foils out to you guys, so. Thanks again for playing One True Three. Incoming transmission. Can I get you to introduce yourself real quick so I can check your volume and set my levels? Hmm? Okay. So I'm Yes Rosman. I'm Starter Player Sims. I think since Voyager came out in first edition. And I, I've played some Ben tournaments. And so you've played you played first edition starting with Voyager and did you play second edition from the beginning or did you join yep. later? I played from the beginning. So with our playgroups just switched from first edition to second edition then. Excellent. So so you're a, a long time player, been with been with two E since the beginning. Um have you have you ever had the occasion to play in a, an event as big as, as Worlds was? Uh, no. The biggest before was uh, European Continental. Is this... Obviously, you're the world champion, so let me first of all say <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Um, was that... I mean, have you... I'm afraid I don't know much about you. I mean, how 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 often have you played in high-level events, and, and how well have you traditionally done? Oh, I played 
Continentals, I think, since uh, five or six years now. And also um, German Nationals since 2004. I was in the Continentals, I was once, I was at second. And the German Nationals, I have now won three times. So you're you're obviously a very very skilled player. So no surprises that you've won. Um, tell us a little bit about tell me tell us a little bit about worlds in Germany. The, the whole experience for you. Obviously you won, which is huge. But just the event itself and getting to meet different people. What what, what kind of a experience was that for you? Oh, it was a really great experience. Uh, I started so on Friday evening, I arrived and then was directly judging the um, draft tournament. So and then meet all the new players from, and from USA, Australia, so it was a really great time to meet these personal so from face to face now, the first time. Anybody that you were really looking forward to meeting that you got to meet? I've read a lot on the message board from him, and so I was eager to see how he is in real, and how it is to play against him. He's he's really nothing in, in real life like he is on the boards. <laughs> yeah, it's a great difference between uh, what he writes on boards and how he is to play. It's a really fine guy to play against. Yes. It's really a fine game. Did you get a chance to meet uh, your predecessor, uh, Neil? Did you get the chance to interact with him at all? Yeah, I, on day one I played against him. And I won because in our game he was, yes, was, didn't able to draw a ship until the end of the game. So it was. Yeah, that's. Cool. It's never, oh, it's never fun to win like that, you know, when your opponent just can't get a ship. That's just. That's no fun. But hey, it's Worlds, so you, you take a win, I'm sure. So, what did you play on day one? Oh, on day one, I played uh, the new Starfleeters, the new Delphic Expanse personal. You played the same thing on day two? I mean, the same? Yes, the same. I just added uh, three who nothing happened because on day one, I played two times against the Legacy Dilemma file and won one game just with luck, and the second game, I lost 100 to zero. So I added them to counter Legacy. Okay. And did you run into Legacy on day two? No. On day two, I didn't see any Legacy. So on day one, did you? how did you finish? You, you were, what seed did you come in and, and what was your record? Uh, I think I was on place four and won six out of the eight games. Did you have a, a, a buy? Or did you have uh, to play all no. eight? You had to play all eight? Yes, all eight games. <clears throat> okay, so one of your games you said you lost to uh, Legacy Dilemma Pile. What was the opponent playing, do you remember? Uh, that was Gierka Pascal. He had uh, the Legacy Pile, the Steel Dilemmas, and this Dilemma Pile was perfectly working against Archer and Starfleet. And, so okay. I didn't have a chance. What was the other loss that you had on day one? The other loss was against Thomas Schneider. He was also playing Starfleet, and he played Starfleet since a long time, and he knew every card in the Starfleet deck. So it was a much closer game, but in the end, I lost. So you, you, your two losses were Starfleet decks. How many other Starfleet decks did you run into 
in the other uh, six games. That were the only two toughest decks I faced on day one. What did you run into then? What what type of uh, decks did you face? Uh, the other decks were um, Forks against John Corbett and Neil Simmons. Then was the TNG deck, Toss, and I think there was also uh, Marquis from Tyler. So you played, you know, four or five or six different, different things in in the course of day one. That's that's a good sign, I think. So you ended up placing. Who was your first round opponent for day two? Uh, my first round opponent from day two was uh, some from somebody from Czech. I didn't remember exactly the name, but uh, I've already faced him on day one. Okay, what did he play on day one? On day one he played, I think, uh, this was a TNG deck with a legacy pile. In this game I won with luck because two times legacy had not worked. So. Okay, and then what was he playing on on day two? On day two he played also a TNG deck, but with a, with a completely different dilemma pile. With tactical disadvantage, Gorgon and so, so cards that normally work against you play. It looks like you played Stefan... Vis- I'm going to massacre the last name, so I apologize. Yeah. Stefan yeah. Vikoskel? Like, Koskel? Yeah. Something like that. So he played TNG, and obviously you made it past him. Then the next round you played Stefan Slavi? Slavi? Slavi. I'm sorry. Stefan Slavi. Yes. He's from Austria. What did he play? He, he played a Voyager deck with... Uh, some high cost personal and or rituals and the new Cretan monoline personal. Okay, and what when was it? Obviously, we all know you won, but I mean, were you feeling good going into these matches? Were you feeling confident, or were you really nervous? How how are you feeling playing these games and and winning these games and advancing through the bracket? Oh, in the first game against Stefan, I was. Uh, I'm beginning really nervous because the year before I lost uh, on day two in Continental the first round also against a Czech player. So I knew they are really good players. And his dilemma pile was also very good against Darcy, but as soon as it happened, I was able to get rid of his tacticals. And so I was then able to win against him. Against Stefan Slavi, it was in the beginning, the first game was okay. Because he played Energize and was able to destroy his Energize two times. So he was really slow with playing his personal, so I had enough time to make the mission. And the second game there was, was much closer, but in the end it worked. Okay, so then you advanced to the semifinals and faced Johannes Klarhauser. Had you played him before? tournaments before we had played already. And what was he playing? Uh, he was playing the deck that also Tyler Foots played, so this Paragnor of the Yoon deck is removing leadership personnel. Alright, so let's talk about that deck and how you beat it twice. Actually, you beat it four times in one day. How Were you aware of the deck beforehand? Uh, yes, I was aware, because the week before, as many people 
Villanova with Mitch, with Tyler, Johannes, Thomas, and tested uh, multiple decks. And one deck we tested was also the deck idea from Tyler. So I knew what this deck, what the goal of this deck is. So I thought about also ways how to beat this deck. So I was prepared so you were you part of what they call the Manhattan Project? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, what did you have to do differently to beat that deck? Because because obviously there's been a lot of discussion since Worlds about that deck and, and the Starfleet stuff. Did you have to make specific changes to your deck in order to have a chance to beat that deck, or did you just rely on your knowledge of how it was going to work to play differently? Yeah, I made only slight changes. One was the addition of more leadership personnel, and um, there also the oh, nothing happens and one edge of forever to get Archer from discard pile into play without him being stopped by friction. So I can then use Archer to get through the dilemma pile that Tyler is using with this deck. Okay, and the the dilemma pile that they were using was it's a kill dilemma pile, right? Okay, also this was a kill dinner power with clown guillotine and all consuming evil to exactly kill leadership personnel and remove other skills and then use the wall dignitaries and witnesses to bounce again so at every attempt one can play then dignitaries and witnesses and it bounces back so one cannot solve the mission. It, you were able to win essentially by getting Archer into play without friction. And then solving all your missions, is that a correct analysis, or was there more to it than that? Yeah, I Archer, I removed friction and then played Archer and an Admiral in one turn, because with one Admiral one can get through Dignitas and Witnesses, mm-hmm. and Archer re- makes all kill dilemmas useless. Well, any random kill dilemmas, that is. So. Yeah, but they are in the dilemma part. Yes. So, at the end of the day, you were the world champion. Can you tell us about your deck? Sort of how it worked and why you decided to play with it and how long you've been working on it. Just sort of give everybody out there your, you know, give us mm-hmm. give us your impressions on your deck. So. Yeah, also my deck was a starter deck uh, with the new Delphic uh, personal from Starfleet. And the standard component, aside for size, at what cost to get uh, a fast start, and using also some makos, especially Sean Hawkins, so that he can protect Archer or other important personnel from being killed or removed. And also the new uh, interrupt, interrupt for interrupt prevention, and the trellium for drawing and then using the stress trap. The deck idea originally came from Thomas Schneider and Tyler Faust. And the week before, when we tested all different decks, they uh, showed this Starfleet deck, and after testing, we saw that it was a rather strong deck, and was very good for day one. So I then decided uh, to play this Starfleet deck on day one. What were you planning on playing before that weekend? Uh, before I was planning to play a top deck, this is nearly the same deck I played in German Nationals and won the German Nationals this year with it. So it was uh, just a top solver with uh, Kirk, original thinker, 
Alabama. Okay. Well, obviously you made a good decision because you came out on top. There has been quite a bit of discussion about the power levels of these two decks compared to everything else that's out there. So I want to start with your deck. Is there anything in there that you feel is too good? Is I don't want to say broken because I don't like using that word, but is there anything that was in your deck that you used that was too far above good? Yeah, I think from the cards that came with Pico Force and New Stuff, it's also, most of them are fine. But I think Archer is uh, too strong because he does things like Rhaegar or the Event Vernus, but without much cost, you only have to introduce, uh, use the Delphic Expanse missions and they are very easy to solve for Starfleet. So I think Archer is a bit too strong because you can just play him, use him, and it's fine. Well, if your opponent is using a decent amount of skill dilemmas, he's nothing to you at that point, right? Yes, against skill dilemmas, he does nothing. But, okay, Legacy File was a problem, but with the inclusion of Una Happen, one can then get rid of Legacy. And against normal skill dilemmas, one then just has to use the things that Safi can do. So, but, yeah. An example, the Orion girl, the Valar, she can get skills if you remove your hand, and for this, the Starfleet Pokemon have also the Vulcan Tricorder, where you can then discard your hand and use events in your core to get the skills you need to get through the dilemma. Um, so, Archer is, in your opinion, too easy to use, no cost. Anything else in your deck that bothers you? I think the other cards, I think, are strong, but not too powerful. I think the new this lustral distraction is very strong because you cannot counter it, but you can only use it three times, and after that they are away. The new Trellium is very cheap equipment you can play and get rid of cards from your hand you don't need, and then draw two more, and with Breath Trap then Starfleet has a very good event destruction. And this are also used in many games to get to destroy my opponent's event or prevent them from playing interrupt. So with the new combination of the cards, that is currently very strong. So other than Archer, you wouldn't necessarily point to one card and say this is a problem. It's more that there are a lot of options available for Starfleet. Mm, yes, there currently there's a very good combination of cards. They work perfectly together. Now, let's talk a little bit about Sean Hawkins. I, I I know he's been talked about a bit, but is is he a problem card for you? I mean, obviously he's good, but looking at it objectively, how much does Sean Hawkins contribute to the problem of Starfleet being too good? Mm, also, in itself, Sean Hawkins is no problem because if you use him, you have to stop him. Sean Hawkins and another maker, so. If you prevent one from being killed, you lose, you have two personal stops, so your away team gets smaller. Even if you use them against Secret Identity, you get an additional personal, but you have to stop two makers. So in the end, with using Secret Identity, your away team is one personal smaller, but he is very good 
in protecting Archer from Dilemma Flight Secret Identity. So with Archer Hawkins, you could just remove Archer and then use your normal non-scale dilemmas to stop the weight here. Would that, in, in your opinion, if, if you could not use Sean Hawkins to save Archer from Secret Identity or the Caretaker's guests, what would that do to the power of Archer and the deck overall? Would it lower it? Would it keep it the same? I think it would lower it because if you one compares it with Rhaegar, who does similar things, in the beginning Rhaegar was also strong, but with using Octetics with secret identity, you could just remove him and then go on with your normal developer. So this, this would be a similar situation without Sean Hawkins. So you could stop Archer at the cost of an extra dilemma going under? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So on the other side of the coin is the Terok Nord deck the leadership denial deck. We had Tyler on earlier to talk about that. What were your impressions of that deck as someone who helped put it together and then someone who had to play against it four games in a row? Yeah, it's a very strong dilemma. If you are not prepared against it, I didn't think you have a chance to win against it. So you have to really prepare your deck and your tactics to have a chance to win against Type of deck. Would you consider this deck to be broken, using whatever definition of the word that you use? Yeah, I think it's uh, too strong because you. I think not every appellation can adapt to it. So I think only one, two, or one or two appellations can really win reliable against this deck. So if this deck deck is played more often you will then also see only counter decks against this. So I didn't think this would be good for the whole tournament team. Well, it's definitely not. I mean, it, the one example I keep using is the is the Galgathon deck. I don't know if you remember that, but the, the deck yeah, that came out, yeah, you could make you draw your whole deck and then discard it every turn was, yeah. I, I definitely think that something will be done, and I have you know confidence in the people that make that decision. But if it were up to you to errata a card or errata several cards to fix that deck, what would you change? I think there are one or two cards that have to be changed. I think one could be this virtual reality headset, because if you can then put people just into play only with stopping two low-cost personals, it gets too cheap. So even if you then fix the Yoon, that's another card that could be fixed. If there's in the future another personal that with a strong order, you can use again the virtual reality headset to create a too strong deck. So either so one has to look at the virtual reality headset and I think one think one should change also the Yoon. Uh what how would you change Wayun just change the timing on him, or give him a completely different ability? Mm, I think the ability itself is fine. It's just that you can use him again and again and again. That's I think that's the problem. So one has to end the cycle. So one could then say that he, when he uses the order, is not going under the deck, but like into the discard pile. So you can only use him three times or a little bit more if you put more effort into getting him out of the discard pile. See, when I look at the deck, 
and, and I put it together and I've played it. And granted, I'm not I'm not the same level of player as you or Tyler. I think it's friction that really puts it over the top. In that, all of you know, if if you're playing the Trakhnor deck and I'm playing anything else, all of my guys get stopped. But your your Wayun doesn't get stopped. He bypasses friction with the headset. And if you had to play Wayun and have him be stopped, you're either doing it every other turn, or you're not using friction. In which case, at least I have a chance to use my people at least one turn before they're removed. So. I, I think it's again. It, it's both the Starfleet deck and the Nord deck have similar problems in that it's it's not really one card making it too good. Ar- arguably, you could say Archer or the headset, but it's it's like a combination of six cards that make something really powerful, and that those are tricky situations to fix. Mm, yes, I think I think friction itself is not the biggest problem because if you have to use cards like a Toran, he has also Toran in the deck to kill, fly over and kill people. But if you're then playing cards with the new Enterprise or with Voyager, you can just play this person to your ship. And he can only remove them if he has a card like you that works if he's not present with your opponent's personal. Okay, um, let's talk about peak performance. And we'll start with the timing of its release. It, it's been discussed that that was too soon before Worlds and that it was a bad decision. It shouldn't be done again in the future. What are your thoughts on that topic? No, I don't think it was too close because also in the had other sets uh, that were also close to big tournaments like regionals or so on. I think most of the time if there's Get a broken, if there's a broken deck, it will show on this top tournament. Even if the set is released three months before the tournament. So I don't think this is a big problem. So you think that even if peak performance had been released in, in May, this broke, this Terok Nord deck wouldn't have shown up before now? I think, uh, one, I think more people would have then constructed such a thing. But it's only most people only see that it's broken if it's really played in a tournament and shows that it is too strong. Oh, fair enough. Now, are there any other cards in peak performance on your personal concern list? Yeah, I think the new rituals. Because on day one I had only four rituals in my deck, and then as I saw everybody playing with all rituals and many people with the eight cross dilemmas I just included them all six rituals and the eight cross dilemmas in our five for day two and this worked rather good in nearly all of my games I was at least once able to play just play an eight crosser and kill three people of my opponents without a big problem. So with the rituals everybody can just include these six cards and the eight crossers and play them. And that's bad because there there's no decisions there, or it's making everything the same. Why is that a bad thing? I think yeah, it's make everything the same. Before we had decks like Romulan event deck, event deck that has has many events, and then Space Age posters, and other decks like the old Starfleet deck that only had sides of ice and no 
and anything else in peak performance that bothered you? Or, I mean, overall, did you like it? Did you not like it? What were you, I mean, tell us what your thoughts were on that set. I think uh, this is a nice set. There are only, I think, three or four cards that are, that one has to see more closely if they have, need an error touch. But the most other cards are fine. I think if one sees a Starfleet personnel, only Archer is strong. The other, like Block or Malcolm Reed, are just fine as they are. Cool. Well, obviously, one of the prizes that you've won is the chance to design a card. Maybe not obviously, but you have won the chance to design a card. Have you put any thought into what you might like to make? Yeah, uh, I've in the beginning of second edition I played more often a Byron deck, but not the integrity type, but the Byron deck with resistance personnel. And since then I wanted to design or to get more cards for this resistance personnel because except now the new Kira in the last they didn't get anything for the violent resistance. So I just want to create then a card for them. Oh, I, I agree. I think that's uh, I think the, the Bajoran resistance stuff is, is an untapped area of the game. I would really like to see more stuff get done with it. So, excellent. Any chance we might see you travel to the United States in 2011 to defend your title? Yeah, I hope so that I can travel to the USA. I'm currently planning that. Well, I hope you make it, and I hope you, uh, yeah, I would like to meet you, shake your hand, and give you the chance to defend your title. Yeah, and I hope then to play against more people I have not played before, so that would be a really great. I know that having worlds in Europe was, was a huge uh, thing. Is there anything else that you think the continuing committee can do differently or uh, support more for the European player bases, or are you pretty happy with the way things are going? Although I think this, currently it's, it's really fine. Now with the work this year in Europe, I think one could make it that the words are changing regularly between the continents. So one year at USA, one year in Europe or so. I think this will, this would be good for the European player. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what... I know. It's Sometimes it's difficult to make plans more than six months in advance, but I definitely think that 54 players in, in Worlds and 70-some players throughout the weekend is, is huge and noteworthy, and I would definitely like to see worlds in Europe again, if only so that I can make it over the next time. <laughs> Is there anything else on your mind that you would like to talk about? Hmm. <laughs> Good question. Uh, no. Alright, well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to talk to us. Uh, congratulations again on your win. I'm proud and excited for you. Thanks. All right, well, we will talk to you soon. Okay.